Blessed be the Lamb of God. Glory to His name. Hallelujah. What a wonderful day to be a Christian. What a wonderful revelation to receive. What a wonderful light to walk in. What's there to be unhappy about? We might not have happiness, but we have joy. The joy of the Lord, which is our strength. And so we are strengthened by that today. When we look not on ourselves, but on what He's done for us. Amen. If we look at ourselves, we'll be discouraged. But we look at what He's done for us, there's great joy. Amen. We're thankful for God's grace. Thankful for His mercies this morning. Thankful for journeying mercies. And uh, to be back together again with the saints here. God bless you each and every one. Appreciate each and every one of your prayers during my travels overseas. And uh, I can just say that it was just the mind of God. And we have, has it been announced just one service today? It's been announced. There's a snowstorm coming. And Brother Murphy was supposed to preach tonight. And he's rejoicing now. <laughs> and uh, it's just like Boston. Same thing. We had a snowstorm in Boston and had to cancel the Sunday night service. But he preached Saturday night for three hours. So uh, we missed out on that. But uh, we trust that the Lord will have his way. How many want God to have his way this morning? Amen. Amen. We can just relax. We don't have to worry about the weather. We don't have to worry about the trip home. We're just here in the presence of the Lord. As much as God wants to do this morning, we want Him to do. There'll be a baptism at the end of the service. We want to speak about uh, the things of the mission field and especially to speak about the Word of God. So if you take your Bibles, we'll tan, turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Amen. Sister Grace Beatty. Just wanted to say thank you to the Lord for healing her back just before Christmas. She says, God is good. And I say, Amen. God is good. So we thank the Lord with Sister Grace. We rejoice with her in the God who is the healer of all of our sicknesses and diseases. Amen. And so we give thanks for that. Um, I want to take up a, a subject. If I would title the message this morning, it would be, Through Faith We Understand. Through Faith We Understand. And uh, uh, I have a, a thought, and I, I was actually going to condense it this morning to leave enough time for the evening service. And uh, But so we'll just see how the Lord leads this morning. We want to speak about the trip to India and it's already mentioned about Uganda and the uh, the um, documentaries of Uganda, part one and part two. Brother Mark, are you, you're here somewhere. I saw you somewhere. You're over here. Thank you, Brother Mark. We don't. I didn't realize until just a couple weeks ago that while we had posted the documentaries of Uganda on the website, they were not downloadable. A pastor from the United States contacted us and wanted to download them and play them for his church and take up a missionary offering, which they are doing today. And so I, I arranged with those that are more technically inclined than myself to uh, make them available for download. And so thank you, Brother Michael, for doing that. And uh, uh, so we, 
we need to make those links available. Maybe, Brother Mark, you can do quickly a post on the website so those that are looking for the links to download the documentaries, they'll be available on a missions post on the website. So you can watch for that there and download it and watch it at your uh, for your, uh, what do they say, viewing pleasure? Uh, I don't know. Uh, for oh, Brother John says for your giving pleasure. And, and, uh, so there you go. <laughs> Amen. Brother Ed says they're marvelous. I agree. Brother Mark has been the workhorse in putting these things together. Says it's been several trips to Uganda to document a lot of things. It's impossible to put into a small video. And I say small part two is I think 45 minutes long. But even at 45 minutes, it's impossible to see the scope of everything that God is doing. But I'm sure that it will be a blessing to you. And thank you. We appreciate all that have given. And you're a part of what God is doing over there in Uganda. And maybe I'll touch on that in a little bit. Amen. How many love the Lord? Amen. Just a wonderful atmosphere here this morning. Appreciate the specials. And uh, appreciate what God is doing in our midst. Let's just bow our heads together. As we just let this great presence of the Lord that's here this morning just take control, complete control, as we relax ourselves. You relax yourself, and I'll try and relax myself. And let's just ask Him, and if you have a need, why don't you ask Him as we hold ourselves up before Him in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You. That you are the mighty one that is in the midst of your people today, O oh God. Lord, as we're gathered together this morning, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. We have nothing worthy of our own selves to present to you, Lord. Not of our works can earn us anything in your sight, Lord. But the Lamb at Calvary paid for every redemptive blessing. And because of that, Lord, as we sang the song, then sings my soul, our Savior unto you, O God, how great you are that you have given us not only promises, but you have paid for those promises. Lord, you have signed the check, and all we need to do this morning is to fill out the check. Say, Lord, you know what I have need of. Give me faith to touch the hem of your garment. Give me grace to that I might receive help in a time of need. Lord, you know every situation. You know every life. You know every heart. You know every hidden thing. There's no secrets hidden from you this morning, Lord. And so we invite you just to take the preeminence that, Lord, as you've done so many times, as the word goes forth in power and in demonstration, may the chains of the enemy be broken. Lord, may healing virtue be loosed into the bodies of your people. May the promises of God be quickened to our minds and our hearts, Lord, that we might walk from this place having received what we have need of this morning. We know, Lord, as long as we're in these temporal bodies, we'll have that desire. We need to be closer to God. We come to the service this morning, every one of us, no matter how close we are to you, saying, Lord, draw us nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, nearer to the redemptive price that was paid, nearer, Lord, to faith, perfect faith in the word of God. And Lord, we just invite you now to have the preeminence. We give you all 
liberty this morning, Lord. You are the one, you are the only one that discerns the thoughts and secrets of every heart. And so may your word go to the need today, we pray, as we commit ourselves to you, asking your blessing on the reading and the hearing of the word now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, familiar scripture to us. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Amen. The Lord had his blessing to the word. You may be seated. Through faith, we understand. You understand something that science cannot explain. How this universe came into existence. Where matter came from. How all these stars and, and galaxies and constellations and all of these things that were flung out in the universe and how it all fits just so perfectly together. The origin is unexplainable. But through faith, we understand. Only through faith can it be understood. The Bible says that the world was framed by the word of God. So there's many things that we could start with here in saying that that we understand that life only comes by the word of God. God said, let there be. And there was. And it's still the same today that the word of God, which originates in the thoughts of God, is spoken forth and it begins to stir and it begins to impart life. And only by faith can we understand that. By faith, we understand so much that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. It's interesting. I had supper with my in-laws on Friday night and, and that was one of the questions that my father-in-law uh, kind of brought up in conversation. You know, I'm still trying to figure out where it all came from. I might not have the exact words correct as we were sitting at the supper table. And, and uh, uh, you know, I, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around how it all began. And I said, well, when you get it figured out, let me know. But through faith, we understand these things. So there's an understanding that comes by faith that cannot come by human reasoning. All right. Now, I want you to catch this understanding part, because in the understanding of it, the the word actually means and I'm reading out of other people's writings. But it, it says here is meant the inward perception and apprehension of the visible of the visible creation as the work of God. All right. So it's not just. It's not just being able to see it, but it's actually referring to the inward perception and apprehension. It's all, now I see, now I understand. It says, which, but this follows the sight of the phenomena of nature. All right, now you might think, oh, Brother Tim, you're starting out in a very, uh, a very scholarly way. But I want, because I want to take us somewhere this morning uh, that will cause us to recognize that that God has an inward work that is within us 
that is by faith that he's bringing us to a, an understanding of the way things really are. In other words, the reality of things. We could talk about the unseen realities of God. But we could also talk about the seen realities of God. There's many things that happen and transpire in life. There's events. There's, there's things that, that impact us. Uh, there are things that leave scars in our life. There are things that, that change the trajectory of our lives. There are uh, seemingly unrelated events that have brought us to the place we are right now. We can all agree with that. And that because we're here right now and we look back over these events, it's only through faith we can comprehend the unseen hand of God that has brought these things into manifestation. And we need to understand them. Not to understand necessarily the reasoning behind them, but to understand the purpose in all of these things. Because God has a purpose in the things that He has allowed in our lives. Amen? Now I see some of you have comprehended that, and some of you are still wondering about it. Does everything have a purpose? I want to declare this morning, everything in your life came because of a purpose. All right? I'm not saying that God did everything, but I'm saying that sometimes he allowed the devil to do certain things because it was necessary ingredient for our life of something that you needed to go through to bring you to the place you are right now. Amen. And so we recognize then we can raise our hands to God and say, Lord, how great thou art. I'm reminded, and I've mentioned it here before, I'm reminded of the little woman in Spurgeon's time as he was walking, Charles Spurgeon, as a young man through the forest, and and he he heard this cry, and he, it was a woman's voice, and it, and it was crying out, what all this and Jesus too? All this and Jesus too. And she he, he went towards the voice, and he came upon a little hut, and looking in the window... Of that little hut, he saw a woman on her knees praying and a little piece of bread on a plate as she was kneeling in front of the chair where the plate was resting. And she was saying, what? All this and Jesus too. You know, sometimes we don't realize how blessed we really are. But it takes an apprehension or it takes faith to give us a revelation of how blessed we really are. How much God has done for us. And I've been ministering uh, before I left here in the last few months of ministry uh, on this on the subject of the human spirit and uh, its hindrance or its agreement with the word of God, which has an impact in our lives. And so as we, we took up the subject, be renewed, uh, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and broke it down over several services and Lord willing, we'll go further someday when I build up the courage, I want to speak on the masculine spirit and the feminine spirit, but it's going to take some courage to preach on that subject and, uh, I've just been seeing certain things in the Word of God that I thought might be a blessing to all, especially to the young people. And so we realize that we have a human spirit. I thought I'd get more amens than that. 
That's simple. Soul, spirit, and body. And uh, we, we recognize that if we look back to the, the Garden of Eden, in Adam's day, it is his uh, thought process of his human spirit. I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit now, but the human spirit, as he was a human being, put into a human body. His body was perfect. His spirit was perfect. His soul was perfect. Totally unblemished in all three realms of his life. And we realize that the new birth puts our soul in a perfect, sealed, to the day of our redemption condition. Is that right? There's nothing the devil can do about your soul. But we also know that the battleground against all that the devil is doing is in our minds. Or in our spirit, we could say. And we know that the soul controls the spirit and the spirit controls the body. Brother John took up the subject uh, on Wednesday night and, and said, wouldn't it be wonderful, and I, I don't have the, I have the quote here, but I don't have it in front of me, how that if a church could get to such a place till in every action, I think it was, that there thus saith the Lord. Now, if you are in every action, that is to say in your body, you have to realize the soul controls the spirit and the spirit controls the body. Therefore, the spirit has to be yielded to the nature of the soul. But that's where the great battle becomes, as Brother Branham describes it in Greatest Battle Ever Fought, in the conscience and memory, reasonings, affection, imagination, all of those realms that we wrestle with, trying to yield ourselves to the nature of the word that is in us at the same time that the devil is bombarding our minds with every evil thing in this generation. Is that right? So it creates a battle. It creates a warfare and the ground that is trying to be possessed is our minds. Amen. With me so far. Just a little bit of a reminder of where we've been. The ultimate of our minds, the transforming of our minds is let this mind be in you. That was in Christ Jesus. Let the thought process be in you. That was in Christ Jesus. Let the things that you perceive be perceived the same way that Jesus perceived them. Amen. Let the recognition of circumstances as Jesus, you know, let's just take a couple of examples as Jesus by uh, uh, went and saw the man and with the disciples, the man that was born blind. And the disciples, according to the, and I'll just use this word because I'll come back to it, according to the traditions of their mind, according to the religious teaching of their mind, said to Jesus, who sinned? There's a bad thing that happened, therefore it must be sin that caused it. Is that right? Now listen, this is a terrible tradition, and as I, as I brought this subject up in India, I said this is a good one for the Indians. Because this is exactly the way the Indians think. If something bad happens to somebody, it's because they did something wrong. All right. And now Jesus, the mind of God, the mind that has wisdom as we were preaching, as he looked at that situation, he said to the disciples, he says, this man didn't sin. Neither did his parents sin. But the reason this man is born blind, the reason this horrific condition upon this man that he cannot see anything, the reason this what we call bad thing is happening to him is for the glory of God. Hallelujah. 
We talk about Brother Ron Spencer tonight and oh, how he's been afflicted again with something in his lungs. Why would that happen to him? Maybe God wants to say, here's somebody in whom I can get more glory. Lord, you be glorified in this. Let the name of Jesus Christ be glorified. And so is it in our circumstances and situations. You know, like, like Jesus. Like Jesus walking through the pool of Bethesda. I was reminded of it when Brother Ron Spencer was going out and, and, and touching individuals, praying for certain individuals. And I was thinking to myself up here, oh, there's a pool of Bethesda prayer line. See, because the mind of man would be, you know what we need to do? Look at all these people are sick. Let's line them up and let's get them through the prayer line and let's pray for them all one by one. Come on. That's the mind of man. But that wasn't the mind of Jesus Christ. He knew that one man had faith to be healed. And even if they lined up all those sick people and took them all through the prayer line, still only one man would be healed. So he just went to that one individual. I hope this is all right. I'm not against prayer lines. I'm not against altar calls. But I'm just saying, what's the mind of Christ? And so Jesus just went to the one individual and says, I perceive you have faith to be healed. That's not the exact words he used, but that's what he was doing. Would you be healed? Something in that man had struck a chord. By faith, we understand the things of God are made and formed by things that are not seen. Hallelujah. So we are, we are being, as believers, let me just say it, black and white. How many are believers here today? All right. As believers living in the last day, subsequent to the new birth, we are being formed to the mind of Christ by the word of God. All right. We are being taken out of tradition. I'll come to some of these quotes in a little bit. Well, maybe I'll I'll go there now. Because when we say we have been returned to Pentecost, we have not been returned to Pentecostal traditions. And that's important. But we have been returned to the pure word of God. And as I was thinking about sharing some of the things that the Lord was doing in India, I thought a lot about tradition because in India it's full of tradition. They're full of, uh, of this is the way we've always done it. In Jesus' day, he battled tradition. He, He said, you by your traditions make the word of God of none effect. And so there were things that were mixed into the pure word, which Jesus quoted the words of Moses. Is that right? Jesus quoted the words of David. Jesus quoted the Old Testament, which they also quoted, but they had added their traditions to it, making it of none effect. Or in other words, not allowing the effect of the word to have its work upon the people. Same word, but it lost its power because tradition had been added in. And we're living in the last days. What a day. The days when all the mystery of God is finished. The day of the revealing of the Son of Man. The day of Malachi 4. The day of all of these promises that have been fulfilled in our day. What an hour that we are living in. It's a great hour. But it also means that God is doing a specific work. And that He's taking you away from traditions which have been sowed in your mind. 
See, when your mind is clogged, and I, I touched on some of these things before, but I want to just bring them out in a little bit deeper way here. I know you probably don't remember what I preached on before, but that's all right. When our mind is clogged with the things of the world, our mind. You see, the labor in this hour is to keep your mind clear. Keep it clear for the things of God. Keep your thoughts in the right atmosphere. Brother Brown says it's the things you look at, it's the things you think about that create the atmosphere. Alright, so if we're constantly thinking about the things of the world, now there's things in the world we have to think about because we have to work. We have to take care of daily life. We have to do those kind of things. But if our mind is constantly clogged with those things, we're actually hindering the power of the Holy Ghost that lives right within us. But if you're laying, laying right within the believer is enough power to fulfill every promise of the Word of God. Do you realize that this morning? Laying right within you by the Holy Ghost is enough power to fulfill every promise. It's already in you by the Holy Spirit if you've been born again. But it takes, Brother Branham says, I will show you that it takes the right mental attitude towards any divine promise to bring it to pass. And so it's not just the fact, well, I need a fresh experience. No, you also need a right mental attitude. All right. And many times it takes a fresh experience to give us a right mental attitude. Many times it gives us a fresh, uh, a, a fresh um, personal connection with God to bring things in that we had never thought about it exactly that way. And that's what God's doing in this hour because he's revealed all of the mystery. And it's a wonderful thing. I hope this is all right this morning. I, I got to be myself. Is that all right? I got to preach according to how God shows it to me. I can't preach like I can't preach like these real preachers here. You know, these evangelists we got and 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 different types of ministries. I can't be like them, but I, I'm convinced they can't be like me either. Praise the Lord. So we all try and be ourselves. Brother Brown says people like you better if you be yourself. I think that's what he said. You know, praise the Lord. So I'm trying to get you to like me better. <laughs> Amen. So we have to be careful now not to stall the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We come to the new birth. We're born again. It's a wonderful place to be. Matter of fact, it's probably the first time that the Holy Spirit comes in and cleanses our soul and seals us to the day of our redemption. It's probably the most clean, pure, powerful Feeling that you'll ever feel in your life. Because after that comes battles. After that comes the, the warfare of the enemy. After that, the devil tries to come and tries to convince you, you didn't receive what you actually received. As long as we're in these bodies, as long as the devil's still loosed, we will still have those battles. And so we don't want to stop at that stage or at any stage in our lives and say, we've got it. Paul even himself says, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, I lay aside the things that are in the past. Is that what he said? All right. Now, all of us have things that are in the past. And if I could just say this, those of you that are older, 
Like Brother Ken and Sister Joyce, they're a little older, they're a little further down the road. They got more things that are in the past. But, you know, still, it doesn't matter your age. Whatever is in the past, you got to lay it aside. you got to realize, okay, that brought me this far, but there's more. It's like the boy that was eating said, well, that was good, but surely there's more. And there is more of God. I think Brother Tom preached on it. There is more of God to be had. There is more of God to enter into. There is more that God has for you. There is greater heights of revelation. There is greater victories. There is more power of God to be released in your life. I look at Brother Branham's own life. It wasn't when he was born again that the angel of the Lord told him, you've been given power to bind and to loose. No, it was after much molding. It was after many battles. It was after much victories had been won. But now God appeared to him and says, now you've been given power to bind and power to loose. And he was in a, a vision and he saw a snake and he, you know the vision and how that the snake was bound and then he loosed it and then he bound it again. And, and so he was testing out what had been given. What had happened? He had come to a greater place uh, of revelation in his life and he asked the angel of the Lord, what must I do? He says, you must be more sincere. Not you must have a fresh experience or you need to be born again or, or anything like that. But you've got to be more sincere. You need to be more consecrated. You need to recognize the potentials of your own life. And if we can recognize the potentials of our own life as how God wants to take us right back to what Adam had. The unlimited potentials of the power of God in our body, our spirit, and our soul. All of those realms yielded to God because we realize the ultimate of the adoption or the ultimate of the placing is the redemption of our mortal bodies. And that's the hour we're living in. Hallelujah. Are you with me this morning? So we have traditions. We have things that hinder God. All right. Now, we're not born with traditions. They're handed down to us. Nobody's born with a tradition. Everybody receives something, is taught something, is raised in some way under some kind of an influence. And it affects our lives. And it's really the, I'll just call it the infrastructure of the devil. To limit us or limit the potentials. That God, by predestination, has put within every believer. Well, you know, it's never been done that way before. Brother Brown says in one place, he says, I might not be able to do something, but I would never want to stand in the way of somebody who had enough faith to do it. And why was he saying, I might not be able to? He's saying, some people might not see that that's possible, but somebody believes it's possible. You know, there was a prophet. I'm always amazed at the prophetic life that was lived before us in Brother Branham and how that, you know, one day he's out hunting and, oh, the, you know, the skeptics probably hate this story about speaking squirrels into existence. How could it be? You know, what? How, that's not even possible. And, you know, how could that be the will of God? For what purpose would it be? You know, the same as the disciples said about the man that was born blind. A lot of questions. And so there was Brother Branham out hunting squirrels. 
wasn't exactly fasting and praying, wasn't exactly uh, in a religious service, wasn't at a meeting, wasn't at an altar, wasn't in his cave, wasn't, you know, some way spiritual, but he was hunting squirrels. But as any son or daughter of God, he was thinking on the things of God. He was pondering the subject of Mark chapter 9. If you say to these to this mountain and he was he was considering that in his life and as he was pondering that the presence of the Lord came down as as brother Ron Spencer would say he came and and you know uh, and we've all had experiences where he came and where where something was then opened up to us now what was brother Branham doing he was tossing something around in his mind now was that before I've always preached that that happened before the propitiation or before the price was paid. Therefore, I can't say that it still applies now after Calvary. And, you know, he's he's tossing back different arguments in the word of God in his mind. He's not questioning the word. But he's trying to comprehend. But through faith, we understand. And and. And then the angel of the Lord came down and dropped in a revelation. That's faith is a revelation and caused him to understand. No, this is for you. This is for sons and daughters of God that a person can get themselves so yielded to God that it, if they catch the thought of God, it's not their, their word that's coming out. It's God's word that's coming out. And when God's word comes out, let there be, if it's not man's thought, it's God's thought, then it's God's word. And if it's God's word, it's creative word. And so there is he, as he, as the angel said, you need squirrels. And he's, now he comes to a showdown. Now it comes to a situation, you know, not unlike Brother Ron Spencer, and I, I'm just explaining these things to you. I'm hardly even preaching. Not unlike when Brother Ron Spencer stood up here and said, your pastor put his ministry on the line and said, you will preach our next camp. That Lord has spoken to me. You know, that's not dissimilar. It's the same thing. He had to speak it. It wasn't good enough that he just hid it in his heart. And we don't want to create a bunch of fanaticism that we're just speaking things willy-nilly. But when you know that God has said something, you need to say it. Because if it's not your word, it's God's word. And if it's God's word that's spoken, it's creative power. And that creative power went out to Brother Ron. And that began to restore that body and bring it in line with the word of God for his life. Why? I want to get to something here, but I, I just have to lay this foundation. You know, it's the same Brother Branham hunting squirrels. He, the, the angel of God, the messenger from God said, you say it. And he said, I don't want to say it in a, in a, uh, a way that's going to be easy. It'll all oh, let there be squirrels sometime today. No, he said, let the, let a squirrel appear right on that branch over there. Let him come out, walk out from that tree and sit right on that branch and I'll shoot him. And then the squirrel appears and he shoots him. What did that? It showed it wasn't William Branham's thoughts. Because a man's thoughts are not creative, but God's thoughts are creative. All right, you with me so far? So this is the potential that's in every son and daughter of God. Oh, now, now, now when I put it down at their address, then everybody gets quiet, right? If it's Jesus, amen. 
If it's Brother Branham, we're amen. Even if it's Ron Spencer or Brother Bisco, it's amen. But now when I put it at your address, well, let me think about it. Amen. Let the word of God percolate down into our thoughts. Let the right mental attitude towards the word of God come into manifestation this morning. Because that's what God is doing. That's what he's sending forth his word to do. He sent he sent his word and his word healed the people. Why did it do that? It had creative power because it was his word. Didn't matter who preached it. Didn't matter who prayed for you. There's none of us that are healers. God's the healer. But because we were by faith, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. All right. So, Brother Branham, just continuing in this thought. Are you still with me? He says, the church has bound the Holy Ghost for nearly 2,000 years. Under martyrdom back there. This is in Feast of the Trumpets. And under the church ages... It's been bound not at the river Euphrates, but at the door of creeds and dogmas. That the Holy Spirit can't work in the church because of man-made systems. All right. The Holy Ghost is in the church through seven church ages. All right. That's important foundational thought. Revelation chapter 1. Jesus in the midst of the seven candlesticks. Amen. All the candlesticks had oil. Amen. It's a principle that you have to understand. The Holy Ghost was in the church in every age. But because of creeds and dogmas, it bound the effect of it. Or if I could say this, because of traditions. So the Holy Ghost was there wanting to manifest sons of God. But because of man-made traditions and man-made creeds, it, it causes us to fall short of what our potentials is. You don't have any more potential than a predestinated seed in Wesley's age. Or in Luther's age. Or in the Dark Ages. A predestinated seed is a predestinated seed. What you have is more revelation. That looses the potential of the seed in this age. You see, the, the Bible doesn't say all of creation groans that the sons of God would appear. No, all of creation groans waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. We've always been sons down through the ages, but now comes the time of the manifestation because of the revelation of the sons of God. Amen. I know this is... This is maybe a lot of teaching and a lot of word, but I, I, I want to just lay this in there and let the Holy Spirit quicken it to your heart. Let him let him bring your mind in line with his thoughts that we're not sitting here thinking, oh, well, I, I need something else. Well, if you've been born again, what you need to do is get your mind surrendered to the word of God. Get your mental attitude right on the promises of God. Let the word of the preaching of the word of God drive away every tradition out of our lives. Brother Branham says in the message pardon, 1963, he says, God's waiting for us to get away or what God's waiting for us to get away from is our traditions and come back under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. In Feast of the Trumpets, he says in Revelations 11, he's talking about Moses and Elijah to the Jews. He says, their ministry 
will be the ministry of Moses and Elijah calling out Israel out of the Jewish traditions, just as the seventh angel's message called the bride out of the Pentecostal traditions. Hallelujah. So the word comes in the hour to take us away from church traditions from the previous era. What carried forth? Luther brought the church out of some of the Catholic traditions. Amen. And that brought a greater measure of the power of God in the church. Wesley brought the church out of more of the Catholic traditions. Pentecost brought us out more out of the, out of the uh, Catholic or the, the Dark Age traditions. But now we've come to an hour where the word has come into full effect to bring the bride of Jesus Christ out of even Pentecostal traditions. Amen. That's. Thus saith Malachi 4. That's the promise of God for the hour we're living. In the message of trial, 1964, Brother Brown says, what is it? Our traditions. Let me take a step back just to get the context here. He says, you say that I'm rich and have need of nothing and knowest not that you're miserable, blind, naked, wretched and don't know it. He was on the outside, the word. What is it? Our traditions. Our Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal tradition has rejected the word and it can have no cooperation nowhere. Everybody's hands off of it and want to call it an evil spirit. Oh, do you understand that Jesus said in the last days before the coming of the end time that he would be revealed again as son of man, not son of God. And that fulfills Malachi 4 and all of these promises of Abraham. Amen. So we are called to put on the mind of Jesus Christ. If there ever was a fulfillment of that scripture, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. That's to be in this hour. Not just the new birth. The new birth is, of course, the necessary ingredient. Only the elect can be born again. Without being born again, you're not going anywhere. But once you're born again, then put on the mind of Jesus Christ. As, as Paul says in Romans 12. And as Brother Branham says in Power of Transformation, he says, Now that we have been saved, as we are, and that we have been filled with the Holy Spirit, as we have, now we want the mind that was in Christ to be in us. That we might be transformed from the natural things of life to be brought in to do the perfect will of God by transformation of God's spirit by his word. So it was with these thoughts that I went to India and uh, you can put the slides up there for me. And I really had a burden on my heart, Lord, if I'm going the right direction. And what you want me, this is just personal, to preach on of the mind of Christ and the mind of the believer. And you want me to deal with these things as I preach on these subjects, then may you confirm it for me uh, in India. And so I thought, you know, there's a lot of things in India that are uh, very, uh, shall we say, interesting. India is an interesting place. 
And so we're traveling to this little country down in southern Asia called India. And uh, we're going from Vancouver to Delhi. And I'll just kind of give you a little bit of the background. Not an easy trip. I think according to maps that we look at, we would think that if we fly to Delhi, you know, we just fly out of Vancouver straight over to Delhi. And that's kind of what I was I used to think in my mind, too. But I was looking at the, the map on the airplane and and uh, and they actually this is a map of of the North Pole. So looking down, down, I don't know if it's down, which way is down, but looking on the earth from the direction of the North Pole to the equator, the equator would be round about the outside of the earth here. We see Vancouver on one side of the earth and Delhi on the other side of the earth. And so we actually fly the closest route. You fly over the North Pole. Now I'll let your minds kind of try and figure that out. It took me a while to get it all straight in my mind. But that's actually the closest route, not to go around over the Pacific Ocean or anything like that. 14-hour direct flight. We arrive in India up in the north there. Um, Delhi up here is where the direct flight goes to, 14 hours, and praise the Lord, find a bed to lay down in. So the next day, we take a a route from Delhi to Chennai. There's several reasons that uh, I was going to Chennai, uh, having meetings in a few places. When uh, when it became known that I was coming to India, uh, the brothers involved uh, with leading the church that... Brother Swami used to be the pastor. Brother Swami passed away this year. And uh, he they specifically wanted me to come. They had a lot of questions. They had some burdens. They had gone, been through some battles. And uh, the church has, was definitely suffering. There was also a sister in the church who had been corresponding with me over the last year, year and a half, uh, because she had been battling cancer. And uh, she uh, is actually a granddaughter, if I have that right, of Brother Swami, granddaughter. And so she was uh, desiring, uh, you know, prayer over time and just prayed with her, counseled with her in the email format. And so we went first there. And on Saturday, we these are the brothers that are leading the church at Brother Swami's church, the brother to the left of me, as you look at it, which would be my right-hand side in the picture, is Brother Nanasakar, and he's now the pastor of the church. But he's been through some battles and is actually very weak himself. Next, he's the son-in-law of Brother uh, Swami. Next to him is Brother Manuel, and Brother Manuel is also a brother-in-law of Brother Sw- uh, son-in-law of Brother Swami, and uh, married to one of his other daughters. He had three daughters, and. And so uh, these two brothers are kind of leading the church. And the other brothers you see there are the deacons that are in the church. And so we had a, a wonderful time with them. Coming to the service, uh, there was a, a man that introduced himself to me. This is Brother Alex. He came from six hours away just for that one service on Saturday. And he said, the reason that I came, Brother Tim, is I need to let you know I wanted to tell you personally, he says, that we must have the family altar book in the Tamil language. And that was the burden of his heart. He he had experienced the family altar book. And I'll just, I just thought to bring it here. This is the family altar book if you've never seen it. It's a devotional book that uh, contains the message 
and the scripture in a daily devotional format. Now, the reason I, I say that is uh, I've been discovering the more I travel how hugely popular this is. Tens upon tens of thousands of these have gone around the world. And uh, it's always interesting to me. Where's Brother Matthew Wilson? He's up there. I remember talking to Brother Matthew. He was a trustee when we were putting these out. Trustee in the church in Grand Prairie. And I was talking to the trustees. I says, how many should we print? Should we even print 500? I, I don't know if they'll even be accepted, you know. But you know why they're so popular? It's because there's none of Tim Dodd's thoughts in here. It's all just the message in the scripture. And that's what the people are in love with, is the message in the scripture. That's why people that leave the message and think, oh, I'm going to have some great big influence. They find out they have no influence. Because the people aren't in love with them. They're in love with the message. It doesn't make no difference. You know, it's, it's not you or me that people love. It's the word in us that people love. So it became a very popular thing. And But while I was there, I got this. And this is the first month of the family altar book in the Tamil language. And so they've actually begun the translation work. And the Tamil, I'm a little bit loose in keeping track of family altar books because um, I don't know why. I just don't consider it to be my personal project. But uh, I, the, tra- the family altar book has been translated into many, many languages in the world. I was looking at home. I have copies of different ones. And, uh, and so now they have it in the Tamil language, and I guess I'm sharing that. I know there's in- people in India that are looking in right now and uh, watching the service as we speak. So, so that is available, and they, they hope to finish the entire family altar book soon and be able to print it there in the Tamil language. So his desire was already being fulfilled. And so God bless Brother Alex, who had that great desire. I know he wasn't part of the translation team, but they are already translating it. So God bless them for that. So there's lots of things that we're discovering as we're in India. Secondly, we stopped in on a a place. uh, This is a brother by the name of, and I always mispronounce his name. I'm going to say Jiva Jam is his name. And I'm going to be corrected because I'm sure that's not quite it. But he... They have bought the church in, in, uh, Brother Swami's former church, or the church that Brother Swami was formerly the pastor of, has bought this printing press, and this brother is running it, who has a great burden for outreach, and, and they say he himself has baptized thousands of people. And his desire is to get the message into the hands of the people. And so this little church, you'll see it in a moment here, Helps support this brother and his printing work. A lot of it is through the, the, the pensions of some of the older people. They're not a very rich church, but they're taking what little money they have and they're, they're, they're running this offset printer to print books. And he prints like 3,000 at a time and, and just takes them uh, on his motorcycle and, and travels around the areas that he evangelizes in and gets the message out, gives it out free of charge. And I say, God bless them. You know, they're putting, uh, they're putting life changing, uh, word into the hands of the local people in their language. And so they're printing in the Tamil language. And, and this is exactly what we want to happen in India. We're not interested in a central operation. 
but rather that churches here and churches there pick up the burden. Some will translate, some will print, some will do what they can do. And together as a body of Jesus Christ, led by the Holy Spirit, united by the Spirit of God, can do the work that's necessary in these last days. Amen. So we had a, uh, a wonderful time with them. And we had the Saturday, the Saturday meeting here at the little church. Uh, when I say little church, uh, after the pastor passed away, a number of people left and some people formed another church and different things happened. You know, sometimes it's hard to understand why things happen. And, uh, and I, I make no, I make no opinion about what has happened. It's just happened. But uh, I felt burdened to be with these believers. They were wanting to press on with God. They were wanting ministry. And so we went there. We had one service. And I took up the subject of uh, uh, the mind that has wisdom. I thought, okay, we'll start there in India. And I say all that to say this, that at the end of this service, one service together, a people that had suffered, but a people that were praying The presence of God came down in such a powerful way as I have not felt in a long, long time or cannot even remember feeling it that way. It was so outstanding. And and I'm not saying that has anything to do with me. I'm just saying that's what happened. And, And I prefer to give all the glory to the Lord. It's not about a man. It's not about a ministry. It's not about a gift. But God came down and confirmed his word. And I saw people break free in the Holy Spirit after the preaching of the word that were just, I thought, liberty has come to these people. That's exactly what they needed. And God delivered and just set them free from all of their burdens. And the sister whom I had been praying for, she was in the service. And I watched her off to the side and God came by her way. And she broke loose in the presence of the Lord and was so rejoicing, Brother John. I just, I was just amazed. I I was almost a spectator. I was just amazed at what God was doing in the service. And it was very, very phenomenal and, and very outstanding. Now, I'd say all that to share this testimony with you because after the meeting, I got an email from Sister. Okay, now, in India, in this building, you see the concrete brick structure here is actually several floors in this building that was owned that is owned or was owned by brother swami and upstairs are several living quarters that are occupied by his family uh his three daughters and uh uh so they they were living they have different suites that they live in and uh so we went up there after the service had a meal together and had some fellowship together it was a wonderful time and I, I met some of the people, some of the children and the grandchildren of Brother Swami. And then the sister who God touched during that service, she wrote me an email. And you have to understand that some of Brother Swami's grandchildren are obviously not serving God the way they ought to be. And maybe it's they've been a little scarred through the battle. But uh, uh, I believe God's able to restore them. Now... The sister writes, and I'm just going to read her words and because I don't know how to explain it. And she said, she says to me, dear brother, remember the cousin who came in 
while me and my husband were eating and he joined us. All right, so we were eating together and then afterwards she and her husband sat down and then there was another man that sat down. Okay, so I remembered him. She says, later my cousin asked me, did you drive demons in the church today? I could hear a screeching voice. At that moment, it didn't strike me. I said, no, God visited me, filled me up with his Holy Spirit, and I was praising his name in another realm. And he said, no, sis, I specifically heard a screeching voice flying and crying out. I was on my bed and I woke up scared. So now he was sleeping upstairs while the service was going on. And there was a screeching voice that went flying through his room. He says, she says, then it occurred to me that Brother Branham said cancer is a demon. He says, ain't that the demon that was tormenting me all these days? It has finally left me when I was in his presence. And he even made someone witness that for me. Hallelujah. She says, oh, brother, I can't tell you how happy I am, how much I thank God for his healing visitation. I feel so small and humbled by his touch. I've never had such an experience in my life before. It's truly amazing. I think God brought you here just for me, like the man who had to wait 38 years for God's appointed time. I believe today morning was my appointed time. Amen. Praise be to God. So we thank God for that. And and not just for her sake, but I also thank God for the sake of the man that was sleeping in bed when he should have been in church. And heard maybe it was the devil that went screeching through the room. It probably was and woke him up because it made him scared. If it was the Holy Spirit, he wouldn't have been scared. But the devil is the one that brings fear. But maybe that fear will drive him back to the Lord and cause him to realize God is real. The God who heals your cousin is the God who can take care of you. Amen. So we thank God for that that great uh, um, testimony there of what the Lord did in the first service. So I was just uh, really thankful to the Lord. Then we went the next day, Sunday. I had made a connection with Brother Isaac Vasantha Kumar, uh, who is a pastor at one of the larger churches, not the largest church in the area, but one of the larger churches in the area. And uh, he specifically invited me to preach Again, took up the same subject and, you know, the, the presence of the Lord was just mighty amongst us and, and we had a wonderful time with His people there in the church and just grateful for what God was doing. It was like, it was almost like I was an observer in something that God was doing for these people as He began to deal with their traditions of the mind. Now you have to understand this is where I'm going this morning. And that God began to deal with the Indian people and say, look, it's time to lay aside traditions. It's time to get away from your idea of what the gospel is or your idea of what it is and recognize the light that God has shone in this hour. That's to renew our minds and bring us the mind of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that was just the short time. We had a couple of days afterwards to do some uh, visiting. That's when we visited that printing press. We visited several and dealt with some uh, transactions with regards to the old society that was left over there in India, just things that needed to be wrapped up. So we thank God for that. So from Chennai, we then traveled up to Mumbai, where uh, we went to, for several reasons, um, 
one of which was to have meetings there. There was going to be a camp there and also to uh, visit the new office that has been established and, and make sure everything was running fairly smoothly. And so we are here. Now I'm just zooming in for you. Uh, here's Mumbai right here. And uh, this is where we were centered now for the next week. Uh, I think we took one day of rest. And then after that, we there was a brother up in uh, Polgar, which we'll get to, but but we uh, we took the train the next day up to where the office is on the outskirts of Mumbai in a place called Virar. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. Thank you, brother Ed's reminding me. For those of you that don't know, Mumbai used to be called Bombay, and Chennai used to be called Madras, but. Here in Mumbai, which is Bombay, which is where Brother Branham preached in Bombay or Mumbai, as they call it now. Thank you, Brother Ed. And uh, and so we took the train and and uh, the 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 transit from the city center where we were located near the airport out to the outskirts to a place called Virar. Anytime you take the train in India, it's always interesting because. India is different than Africa. Africa is a lot of wilderness. India is a lot of people. And uh, I would just say, if you ever travel in India, make sure you do it with an Indian. Because then you'll get where you need to get to without too much ado. So we are traveling with Brother Stanley here through the train station and on into Virar. And to the office there, the William Branham Good News Charitable Society, located in a small suite up here on the third floor of this building. And we thank God for... What is unfolding there? This is Brother Stanley and Sister Snail. And they are uh, the main workers. Brother Stanley is the president of the society. And Sister Snail, his wife, is uh, uh, helps in the office there and runs a lot of the, the um, administration there. And so they're doing a great work. And uh, so we sat down to uh, discuss some things and visit. And I thought, I like this picture because it makes us look like we're doing something. And... Uh, so we appreciate that, and thank God for that. But they, they, they're in the office, they're, they're doing translation, they're organizing translation work, they're transcribing translations, because a lot of translation is done by hand, and it has to be entered into the message hub to make it available for anybody to print anywhere that wants to have access to these languages. As you all know, there's about 80 different languages on the message hub. And so here's one of the young brothers that's working in the office uh, transcribing one of the translations. I think it's Marathi and putting it into the computer. You'll notice here that the computer is just like our computer. So they've got to use special software, and I don't know if you can see it on the screen here, but they use special software to uh, uh, put it into, this is the Marathi text here and here, and I think they use a Google tool or something. Uh, some of you may be more familiar with that. But uh, they're doing a great job in putting up the translations into the message hub to put the word into the hands of the bride of Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's not glamorous work. Sometimes it's just slogging it out. Day after day. You can just ask Brother Murphy that. Day after day after day, translating, voice translation, working, organizing translation, organizing printing, all of those kind of things. It's not glamorous. It's not, you know, traveling the world and seeing the Taj Mahal and the... uh, 
uh, Eiffel Tower and, you know, whatever else is out there to see. I don't even really know because I don't do much tourism stuff when I'm overseas. But it's the necessary work, the unseen workers. I, I don't see Brother Cobus here this morning. I, it, probably because of the snow, he didn't make it. But, you know, it's these work with translators. It's the unseen workers that are having a great impact in the body of Jesus Christ. That somebody somewhere picks up a translation and reads it and their life is changed. Somebody had to translate that. Somebody had to put it into a printable format. Somebody had to do all that work that a soul could be transformed. Amen. God spoke the word. But now the rest of us are responsible to get that word to the people. Amen. I know there's a, a project going on right now in the Spanish language to to update some of the translations. If you there, there's a limited opportunity for you to be involved. If you even if you know a little bit of Spanish, see Brother Mark Ajo and he'll help you get involved in the Spanish upload project that's currently going on to finish the entire message in the Spanish language. Amen. So there's great works being done. So we went from there. Uh, we're up in Verar, and then we took a vehicle or a car and went over to Palgar, which is a very rural area, and uh, they call it a tribal area. That's uh, lots of wilderness there, and we're going out, way out into kind of the back country of that area up there. Even though there's billions of people in India, you get to places where you wonder, where's all the people? And there are still are those kind of places, and so we're traveling along to get to this little church and on the Friday. And uh, Brother Stanley said, you know, he says, this brother really wants you to come. I said, well, tell me about this brother. He says, he says this brother has done outreach into these tribal areas and he's, he's baptized hundreds of people and he's, he's living in this little remote village and he's just doing the work of the Lord and he's so zealous. And, and uh, uh, he says, if you have one day you can give them a service it would be such a blessing and i said well after we visit the office let's go out there and let's have a service and we did and it was wonderful and we thank god for that just to encourage them way out there in the middle of nowhere they're not alone and i'm showing you these pictures to show you you're not alone there's a bride all over the world that is walking in the same light that you are walking in amen so we had a wonderful meeting there with about, I think, about 50 people. This is the brother here. Brother Joshua is his name. Done a lot of work. A young, zealous brother. I'm just showing you this picture to show you that most of God's great people are short. <laughs> Can't get away from it. Brother Brown said it. <laughs> so... You know, here we are, just a, a great soldier for God and real, real fireball for the kingdom of God. You know, there's, I was talking to Brother Isaac. I hope this is okay. Amen. Are you enjoying this? Yeah. All right. I was talking to Brother Isaac, the pastor in, in Chennai. He says, you know, I get invited over to North America and uh, he's got a church of about same size as ours, maybe a little bit bigger. He says, I get invited over to come and preach. He says, but I, I'm too busy. He says, I'm going up to UP, uh, I can't even say Uttar Pradesh or something like that. 
He goes up in there and he says, I preached to these churches in, in Tamil and Telugu and organized. I says, how many churches? He says, hundreds of churches. He says, tens of thousands of believers. And he says, we're just so busy working amongst them. I said, I said, Brother Isaac, it, to me, it's not important to say, well, I've been here or I've preached there or I've been to that place or I've been to this pulpit. I says, when we get on the other side, we will really know who did something. So it's not to broadcast anything here to say, oh, and don't get the idea because Brother Tim goes overseas. Believe me, I'd rather be at home. And uh, but to go into these places and encourage the work of the Lord and encourage the effort to get the message into the hands of the people means more to me than just about anything. And so uh, you pray for these brothers, Brother Isaac, he's he, he who I showed you before. He's doing a great work outreach. In impacting tens of thousands of people. And God bless him for staying with what God has given him to do. Alright. So that Sunday we preached at uh, uh, another church where the pastor had passed away in this past year. Brother Samuel's church. The new pastor is there. Uh, Brother Wilfred is standing on the side here at the back. He's originally the assistant pastor in the church in Dubai. And so he's the son-in-law of the brother Samuel, who was the pastor in this church when the last time I preached there. And uh, But Brother Wilford's just a wonderful brother. And this is just a wonderful church full of young men and women who are zealous for doing the things of God. Uh, what you, you, I think, Mike, it was called the grade eight or something. You know, the, the group that you had that was a bunch of young men and their wives that were doing work at camp and stuff. And, you know, it's G8. OK, G8. And, uh, you know, that's that's really what it's like with these young people there. You'll see them in a moment because this church was largely involved in organizing the camp. And so they're just what you see here. God duplicates in other places. And, and they're just, this message produces wonderful people and a burden and a love for the bride of Jesus Christ. And so we're there in Mumbai and the, the, later that Sunday we, we took the car and went out to the campground for the meetings and uh, places called Almost Heaven. And that's how it felt. It was a a wonderful uh, time with the believers there. Beautiful campground. It'd be nice to have palm trees in our campground, Brother Derek. And, uh, you know, just a real nice place and, and beautiful facilities. I was amazed. I was expecting something less than uh, less than one star, let's put it that way. But it was wonderful. I even had air conditioning in my room, which, believe me, makes a difference. And uh, it was about 30 to 35 degrees there at the camp. So I hope you're enjoying the cold weather here. And uh, But they have usual camp facilities, you know, breakfast facilities or meal facilities they have there. And, and uh, you know, gathering places out on the grounds, just kind of like you're making out there at the camp. And all kind of the same thing that we've got, just kind of a little bit different setup, a little bit different vegetation. Of course, the necessary volleyball nets. For the young people and all of that. So they have the volunteers that are working there. Serving the food just like we do here. Everything just like we do here. We are sitting visiting with some of the ministers. Uh, waiting for the breakfast that is being served to the people. So we thank God for just a, a, 
you know, I, I brought you all that just to say, remember, there's a lot of work that goes to create an atmosphere. It's not just the preacher. It's the one that keeps the grounds. It's the one that serves the food. It's the one that prepares the food. It's the one that organizes. It's the counselors. Brother Mike, appropriate this morning that you made the announcement for camp. You know, you can have a part in creating the atmosphere and being a counselor or being a volunteer at some level at the camp. So God bless them for that. We had a wonderful meeting. You know, the young people were singing. And uh, Brother Ed, I will say the days of trying to focus over the Indian music are over. <laughs> and Brother Ed knows what I mean when I say that. Is that they've begun to really create a wonderful worship. And uh, so we so appreciate that. The young people on fire for God, wanting to serve God. They had a wonderful meeting hall. And uh, I'll say maybe even nicer than ours. And it's just a real outstanding setup there. And, and uh, of course, they don't have to battle the elements that we do. But I, the Lord just blessed the meetings and some things are particularly wonderful that I, I can't share. Some of them are details that are just too personal. But, uh, you know, in the second day, the second night, again, I went to the same subject dealing on the spirit realm or the mind of Christ. And again, the presence of God just came down at this camp in a tremendous way. So much, so powerful that even the interpreter broke down. He couldn't contain himself for, I'll just say, the glory of the Lord that filled the place. And, you know, here someone snapped a picture of it as I'm praying for the interpreter as he's just... He's just there sobbing. God dealing with him. God dealing with so many. You know, it's just wonderful. God's word is so powerful. This message that you have believed is unlimited in its power. It's only limited by our traditions. And the Lord just began to deal with them in a special way there. And we thank God for that. And, and he began to move. You know, there were... There were people that traveled from a long distance. This is a group from Hyderabad. They traveled 16 hours on a train. Crowded train cars without air conditioning in hot weather just to be at the camp because they wanted to be there. There was other brothers that traveled from another direction, 12 hours on a train and ministers that traveled in these packed train cars and and, and they were in the midst of, of unrest in the country and some of the believers couldn't come down from the north because they, they're, one of the main train stations in the city of Delhi was disrupted. But had they have come, it would have taken them 24 hours on a train to come to the meetings. I say God bless them and God did bless them for their, their desire to be in the presence of God and come to the meetings. So sometimes when we have to go an hour or two hours, to me, it seems really small. And what God is doing in some of these places, I say praise be to God. I'm just so thrilled to be a part of it with them. This is the bride of Jesus Christ you're going to see on the other side. These are wonderful, blood-bought, word-washed people that have been transformed and are being transformed into the very image of Jesus Christ. These are the brothers that did make it down from the Punjab area. Brother Roshan on the left there 
which would be my ride in the preacher. He's been here. He was at our camp a few years ago. Very unassuming, quiet, humble brother. I think he stayed in the cabin with you, Brother David. And uh, he was there at, at the church camp. And uh, maybe you wouldn't even know he's a minister. But actually from his church has started about 50 churches. And they send out brothers. And now Brother Roshan also goes out into areas where it is extremely dangerous to minister the gospel into tribal areas that are fanatical Hindu and fanatical Muslim areas. But he goes in there and he's explaining to me how he introduces the message, uh, the gospel to the Hindu people and, and what attracts their attention. I thought it was wonderful. I don't have time to share it here, but they're fearless. They just go out with the gospel. They've been arrested. They've been brought before the magistrate because they actually have anti-conversion laws. You can't go into certain areas and convert people by law, but they go anyway. Pray for these people. You know, they're, they're on the front lines taking this message out in their areas. And, and, uh, I wanted to show pictures of Brother Jacob, my interpreter, wonderful young brother. He's a school teacher for those of you that are school teachers. And, uh, he's about 35-ish, I think, and just a real solid brother, music teacher, actually. Uh, where's Brother, uh, Gertzen, is he here somewhere? The band whisperer, is he here? And, and anyway, if he's here, maybe he's out with the children or something, but you know what? This is another great musician and teaching people, and I just thought, God bless these people with their gifts, that using them for the body of Jesus Christ. Brother Stanley and Brother Wilfred, uh, as we're closing out the camp, uh, the, the volunteers that were there at the camp, you can see they're mostly young men that are volunteering there to serve God and serve the body of Jesus Christ. I say God bless them. God never disappointed them. He came down to the camp and He ministered to them in a mighty way and delivered His Word. And many were set free. There was one sister that was prayed for. Uh, she had been sick for months and had been unable to even go to work. A young sister. And so she, she just was just become, and they don't have medical attention like we do. They can't just go to the hospital and find out what's wrong with them. They just don't, they can't afford it. And so they're just, they're just, uh, uh, become an invalid on their bed. She came up for prayer one night. We prayed with her. God set her free. She's already back to work. Amen. Praise be to God. What's the name of it? I don't know. I don't care. All I know is God set her free. And the mighty God delivered her. There was young people that were testifying of uh, uh, that they had been set free from worldly living. Uh, they were others were uh, set free from uh, what was a some was saying uh, worldly music. Some were saying they were they God had dealt with them about gaming on the computer and others. And I was surprised about this one. One young man just confessed, you know, I had come. To hate my family. But God set him free in this meeting. And gave him a love in his heart for his own family. This is a terrible age we're living in. And the devil wants to destroy the young people. But greater is he that's in us. Than he that's in the world. You believe him. Amen. And so we, we took the road. Took the trip. Headed out on the long journey to find our way back to Mumbai. And then to Delhi. And then on to uh, Canada. We thank God. India is very unique. And uh, I couldn't stop without a clip of going, getting around in India. Amen, Brother Deepak. It's the same everywhere over there. 
Driving in India is like going to war, they say. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And here we are. Thank you for your prayers. What's happening over there? It's the same thing that's happening here. God is fulfilling prophecy. How many give me a few more minutes just to dwell on this thought a little bit? I don't want to send you home. So one service today. Remind you. Pinch yourself. We're going to start the evening service right now. Amen. And, uh, you know, God is fulfilling prophecy. But I want you to think about something now. I was pondering this the last day or so. How the, but what is prophecy? What is prophecy? When we look in the Bible, say, well, it's prophesied. You know, behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Or uh, unto us a son is born. Uh, Unto us a a child is born, a son is given. His name shall be called Emmanuel. You know, it's a prophecy 700 years before it come into existence. But what was that prophecy? It wasn't, it wasn't a prediction. It, It was the mind of God of what was going to come to pass revealed to a prophet before it came to pass. So the prophet tapped into that which was eternal. That which was going to come to pass. That which was a part of the mind of God. See, sometimes we have to get our mind in the right attitude towards these things. Say, oh, well, here's a prophecy and we're waiting for it to come to pass. We're waiting. But the prophecy and the Old Testament were only shadows and types. They weren't the real. They were just looking forward to some something that was going. They were reflecting something that was in the mind of God. Like when Moses made the tabernacle. The tabernacle wasn't the real. He was told, Moses, you make it after the pattern that I show you in heaven. That is the real, you're building an earthly pattern. You're reflecting something. And their lives were a reflection. Joseph's life was a reflection. It was reflecting something that would become manifested in its fullness in the day that we are living in. It's, it's reflecting the, 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 the declaration of the thoughts of God becoming material. Oh, I got to dwell on the thoughts of God here for a minute. Stay with me. All right. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Brother Branham says it this way. And what is the attraction on the mountain? I was listening to it the other day. And I thought, oh, this is powerful. It says, oh, on top of the Mount of Olives come a little white donkey coming, walking down the hill with a group of people fanatically screaming. Pulling off palm leaves off the trees, throwing their clothes in the road, screaming, Hosanna to the son of David that comes in the name of the Lord. Said his rider was none other, this little mule, his rider was none other than God's anointed Messiah of the hour. Amen. We believe that now, but we're looking back in history. All right. He says, he says, God, then what was he doing? What is the attraction up there on the hill? It's God making history. God fulfilling prophecy. And that always causes an attraction. Listen, saints, why aren't people attracted to criticize the Catholic Church? 
Why aren't people attracted to criticize the Baptists or the Methodists or the Presbyterians or the Pentecostals or the Charismatics or whatever? Why are they attacking the bride of Jesus Christ? It's an attraction. It's God fulfilling prophecy. He says it always causes an attraction. It brings all the critics up, the vultures and the eagles also. They come together to find out what's going on. Some coming for curiosity, some coming to find fault, others coming to criticize. There's all kinds gathered, as we said this morning, believers make believers unbelievers. But what's on the mountain? Prophecy is being fulfilled. What's in this church? Prophecy is being fulfilled. What's over there in India? Prophecy is being fulfilled. You know, when Moses, as I spoke last time I spoke here, as he looked out the palace and saw these people, he didn't see a bunch of mud daubers. He saw prophecy being fulfilled. Hallelujah. Lord, help me. Give me words this morning. This is something that's materializing out of the eternal and becoming manifested before our very eyes. It's the very thoughts of God that are becoming materialized right in the midst of the bride of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not a critical thing of, oh, this is wrong or, oh, that is wrong. No, God's fulfilling His Word. God's fulfilling His prophecy. He's the one that's bringing it to pass. Amen. He says, and then he says another place, same message. He says, that time that the prophet turned and said, behold, there comes the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now what's the attraction? It's turned from the prophet to his prophecy. Amen. I say, behold, the bride of Jesus Christ. I'm not a prophet, but there was a prophecy that there will be a bride. And this bride will materialize in this age. And a prophet stood here in this age and says, we've come to a bride age. What he's saying, he says, is prophecy Billy, being fulfilled. Open your eyes. What is it that the super, that's doing the supernatural? What is it that's changing lives? What is it that trans, in, transforms Indians from tradition to sons and daughters of God? It's God fulfilling His prophecy. It's God manifesting the eternal here in the natural. His eternal thoughts that He prophesied. There was, that's why there's even things that Brother Branham spoke. There's so much. I could say, but I, I just stumbling over my words. There's things that he spoke that it seemed like it just didn't apply. About the world getting evil. About the people overcoming. About the revelation. Till he would preach a service and said, maybe in this service only one person caught it. Because it wasn't for them. It was for now. It was for you. It was for India. It was for Africa. It was for all these places in the world that couldn't hear it directly from Brother Branham. But because there's a people that have caught the revelation of the message and says this message changes lives. Then it's not good enough that I have it in English. Somebody's got to have it in Tamil. Somebody's got to have it in Telugu, Marathi, Punjabi. They got to have it in, in Swahili. They got to have it in, in, in Tagalog. They got to have it in all these languages. Why? It changes lives. Because it's a bride age, a bride word that brings forth a bride age to fulfill the prophecy of this hour. Same message. What is the attraction? Brother Brown says, and the God of heaven promised the evening time would have evening light. 
Three years ago, this mystery was a prophecy. What time is it, sir? He says it was a prophecy. What time is it, sir? He's preaching this in 1965. He's referring back to 1962 where he preached. What time is it, sir? He says back then it was a prophecy. Go back and listen to what time is it, sir? He's talking about the seventh seal. He's talking about the opening of the word. He's talking about the opening of the seals. He's talking about the angels coming. He's talking about all those things back in 1962. Brother Brown says three years ago it was prophecy. What time is it, sir? But now it's history. The seals are open. The seventh seal is open. The angels have come and revealed the mysteries. All of these things are now become history. The promise is fulfilled. What time is it, sir? And what's this attraction? God fulfilling His Word. Hallelujah. In, a, in that Word, there was a part that spoke about a bride coming to maturity. A people in a message, perfect faith, that would come to a perfect faith in a perfect word. That they would become like messiahs on the earth. A people that's misunderstood by the world. How do you operate? Why do you think the way you do? Why do you operate the way you do? Because we've caught the truth by the revelation of faith in our lives. By faith we understand what's going on in this age. We've caught what the message is all about. See, the message, part of the message is a prophecy. Brother Brown said that. What time was it, sir? It was a prophecy. Part of the message is a prophecy. But that part which is prophecy is being fulfilled in you and me. Hallelujah. Not looking for another messenger. We're not looking for another message. We're not looking for another idea. We're not looking for something else. We have received the prophecy becoming materialized in our lives. Amen. Brother John read it. Here's the quote that he read. He says, give me a church that's so completely anointed with God. Till their every action and move is thus saith the Lord. Right in that Shekinah glory. I'll show you. A Messiah, anointed one of God, standing upon the earth. What did Brother Brown say in perfect faith? He says, when you walk by perfect faith in what the word says you are, like Jesus walked by perfect faith in what the word said he was, then you become a mystic to the world. You become in rapturing condition. You become a Messiah in these last days. Amen. What is it? A message. That is sent to bring you into the reality of your potentials. Do you recognize that in the message of the hour? I want to ask you this morning. Do you really recognize that? Do you recognize that there's nothing holding you back now? The only thing holding you back is your traditions. Well, this is the way my family is. Or this is the way my culture is. Or this is the way I've been raised. Or these are my weaknesses. Or these are, these, this is just me. Or this is just, you know, this is just the way I am. Nonsense. Somebody told you that. And it wasn't thus saith the Lord. But thus saith the Lord says you're a, to be a Messiah upon the earth. Even if you can't understand it, just believe it. Just accept that God has sent a message to put the mind of Jesus Christ in you. And bring you into a a real manifestation in these last days of a people. Not that are perfect in their works. 
I want to preach on grace one day. I've been thinking about all these. You know, when I travel, it gives me a lot of time to think. You know, if, if you, if you were perfect in everything you did, you wouldn't need God. Because you're already perfect. But you need God. And you need His grace. And He knows that. And that's why Brother Branham said, He knows you're just a man or a woman. He knows that. He knows you're going to make mistakes. Well, if he knows that, I guess I better measure up to what he knows. <laughs> Nobody here's going to say, well, praise the Lord, I'm going to make mistakes. No, praise the Lord, I need God. I need him today, I need him tomorrow. I need him the day I, until this body is changed. As Paul says, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, I lay aside the things that are in the past. I thank God for every experience. I thank God for every change. I thank God for every time in my life that He changed my direction. I thank Him for every time He corrected me. But I know I'm not there yet. I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. But praise the Lord, I'm not what I used to be. Amen. Something has happened and got a hold of my life. So He is calling us. He's not just calling us. I don't even like to say it that way. That's why... I gotta bring this to a close somewhere here. But that's why, you know, if I could just talk to you. That's why God sent us a message. Is because He knew you would need something to make you what He's intended you to be. There's a seed gene in you that's calling out for that. That's the reason when you come to church, you already know your problems. Now there's sometimes that the the minister has to give you a protoplasmic stimulation. All right, there's sometimes that has to happen because some people are just stubborn. But generally speaking, when we come to church as sons and daughters of God, we already know where we've come short. We didn't come to church to find out where we come short. We came to church to find out what God did for us. We come to church that the Word could wash us from the things of the world. Wash us from our own ideas. Wash us from our traditions. Doesn't matter, you know, if they're, if they're Caribbean traditions. It doesn't matter if they're Canadian or American traditions. It doesn't matter if they're Chinese traditions. It doesn't, oh, I didn't get too many amens on that. I'll wait for Murphy to interpret that. All right. Doesn't matter if there's Chinese traditions. Doesn't matter if there's Spanish traditions. Doesn't matter if there are English traditions. Doesn't matter if they're Kenyan traditions. Traditions don't matter. The sea gene in you is the same as the sea gene in me. Doesn't matter if they're Hutterite traditions. Amen. Doesn't matter where you came from. God is bringing us into one image and that is the image of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The eternal. You see, we've been connected to the eternal by the new birth. You see, when the, when the prophecy comes forth, it's not an idea. It's a declaration of a reality that's yet to come. The lamb 
Jesus Christ declared that reality in his generation. You are the reality in this generation. When John the Baptist looked and pointed his finger at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's identifying every prophecy in the Old Testament has become manifested in that hour. He's identifying now's the time. He's identifying this is what they were speaking of. This is the reality that they were declaring hundreds of years ago. Now it's become a reality. And a prophet of God standing, it took a seer in this day to see the turning of the church and be able to identify, you are no longer church. You are now bride. You have been united to the word of God. The potentials of marriage to the bridegroom have been loosed in your life. Don't don't consider yourself by some tradition. Oh, I was raised in this church or I was uh, I, I, I come into this message by this way or I, I come in contact that way or whatever more. Let that all go. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're an attribute of God that was spoken of down through the ages that would come to pass in this hour. And we're here. Receive the word. I'll say, what is the word? It's the thought that was spoken for this age. And when you receive the thought by word, it's it's life. Brother Branham says in the Smyrnian church age, as I'm looking for a way out here. He says, he is omniscient. He has never had a new thought about anything because all his thoughts had and always, all the thoughts he has always had and always will have and knows the end from the beginning and from the eternal because he is God. Amen. Thus, the thoughts of God are eternal. They are real. I love that statement. They are not simply like a man with a blueprint he has drawn up and one day will be translated into substance and form. But they are Already real and eternal and a part of God. And then he, he brings an example so that we can understand it. Are you still with me? All right. He says, see how this works. God always had his thoughts for Adam. As his thoughts was yet unexpressed. He says, and then he takes up Psalms 139. Verse 15 and 16. I want you to read it. I want you to read this scripture. Take your Bibles for a moment. I almost started from here. But I'm going to end here. Now remember we started... By faith, we understand. Now, verse 15, Psalms 139. He says, my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Still some pages are turning. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. I'll read that again, verse 15. My substance was not hid from thee 
when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there were none of them. (laughs) Hallelujah. The psalmist is writing here saying, it's a psalm of David, the Bible says. It says, I was in your thoughts. Even when you were forming me in secret, and I was not yet complete or still unperfect. He says, but, he says, yet you wrote everything about me. All my members was written. All was written about me. Which my members or my life. Now, listen to what he's saying here. He's saying, in continuance, this was going to be fashioned. But what was going to be fashioned, he says, was written before there was anything. He says, yet you knew how the fashioning would be of my life. When it's saying members, it's not just talking about arms, legs, and that sort of thing. It's talking about all that would unfold in my life, you knew. You knew who I was and you wrote it in your book. And you wrote all about me and it cannot help but come to pass. And so when I see the scripture declare that there'll be a bride without spot or wrinkle, when I see that there'll be a people that will know their God and do exploits, when I see that there'll be a time of the mystery being finished, when I see all of these things laying in the scripture, the revealing of the Son of Man, all of those kind of things, even to where a prophet picks it up in this day, and and I'll say it this way, like like a towel takes the message And wipes the steam off the mirror of the word. So that we could begin to see clearly. Exactly what we were in the mind of God. When I was overseas I was talking about that. We look through a glass darkly. And sometimes that's the way it is as we look into the word. And it's been that way down through the ages. It's the mirror. But the mirror was steamed up as it were. By... You know, in Canada, in this part of the world, we like to have hot showers. It's a different concept to them over there. I said, and the the mirror gets steamed up. And I says, and sometimes, you know, we stand in front of the mirror and we want to, we want to comb our hair. I realize, brother Mike, some hair is pre-combed, but, you know, but, you know, we want to comb our hair and then we want to make the part straight and, you know, get everything just right. But it's steamed up. So what do we do? We take a towel and wipe it away so we can see exactly what we look like. And that's what God has done with this message. He's taken this message and wiped the steam off of the Word of God so that you could look into the Word of God and behold yourself in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. What an hour to live in. Praise be to God. The eternal has become manifested. The prophecy, it's not prophecy anymore. What is the attraction? God's prophecy is being fulfilled. As the musicians come. God's word is being manifested in this hour. The power, now listen, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ 
was not in his ability to refute the religious doctrines of his age. That was not the power of the gospel. It could do that. But the power of the gospel was that he brought grace and truth to the hearer. Grace, God's predestinated unmerited favor and truth that will set you free. I was thinking about it. Excuse me, just a personal testimony. I was thinking about it. I was pondering, going back over my life, wondering sometimes why God watched over me here and watched over me there. I go back to the time he spared me on the roof of a school. And I've shared that testimony before and different places and how God dealt with me even in my own ministry and how he led me. And I was, even though I might have felt called to the ministry, I always wondered where the truth and the power of the gospel was that they had in the book of Acts. And so when I was 22 years old in the little town of Oliver, somebody remember that, and how that, you know, I was walking down the street. It reminded me of it, as Brother Biscoe mentioned it, and somebody else mentioned it up here, man running from the presence of the Lord, because that was the service I was listening to while I was walking down the street. And as I'm walking down the street, uh, I'll use Brother Ron Spencer's term. He came to me there. All right. God became very near. And there's only a few times in my life it's been this very real. And he said to me these words. He says, you said you would preach when you have the truth. I have given you the truth. Just those words. No more, no less. That's what this message is. It's the truth that sets you free. He never said, and that's what I was thinking about the other day. He never said, I give you a gift. And it really struck me as I was pondering it. He never said, I give you a gift. Go preach. But he says, I've given you the truth. And that's the most powerful thing that there is in the scripture. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. I'll bring the truth by your way. Someone will tell you the truth. Someone told me the truth one day. And it set me free from denominational tradition. And God sent his truth in these last days to set us entirely free to be the bride of Jesus Christ that we are called to be. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld as of the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Amen. We're going to have a baptism this morning and uh, we want to make ready for that. But while they're preparing, let's just sing. I have a maker and he knows my name. Aren't you glad he knows who you are? It's the bride of Jesus Christ. It's the bride hour, the bride time. I'm sorry, it's a little bit chopped up with a a testimony and a missions report this morning. But I'm trusting the word to come by your way and show you who you are. He comes to you and reveals. Sometimes when you're just listening to a message, he'll speak to you. There's a brother right in this church this morning. I'm going to share you a testimony. I'm sorry to make you standing. I was... Kind of going back and forth whether to share this. 
And he called me up. And Sister Megan can be my witness because she was involved in taking this donation. Called me up and says, Brother Tim, I, I just feel pressed in my heart. He says that God wants me to give $5,000 for missions. He says, how do I do it? And I, and I explained to him, well, I says, you can, you know, you can do it this way. You can do it that way. And so through the office, it was all connected up. It was all completed. And, and, and we thank God for that. And one of the things he told me while he was on the phone, and I say, I say this to say it was God speaking to him. He says, I was listening to a message. He says, and we don't, we don't, uh, I don't want to give to get something back. He says, but I was listening to a message about Brother Bradham talking about somebody given and how God gave back to them something like threefold or something like that. He says, and I thought, well, you know, I'm not doing it for that. But if God chooses to do that, he says, that's wonderful. I'm going to read you the quote. Okay, I'm going to let this become real to each one of you personally. He says, Brother Branham's in uh, Hammond, Indiana, 1952. He says, I just want to say this while it's in my mind. The little missionary offerings and things that you've been sending me special on the side by my boy, I appreciate that. To help me go back to Indian things. He says, I appreciate it with all my heart. Brother Baxter brought me $10 this afternoon. Said, somebody said it. Said, take it to Brother Branham. I put it in the missionary offering. I think that's what it was for. And you'll have a part in this great vision that I know that's got to be fulfilled. And at the great day, now don't never hurt yourself. If you need something around home or something, why you go ahead and do that first. But if you just have something that you feel that God put on your heart for a missionary, you go ahead. We'd be very thankful. We'll thank him for it. Says Brother Jackson was telling me this afternoon, I just met my friend from South Africa, and he usually sits right here. I don't see him tonight. He said his wife had some interest in cattle, and the Lord put it on her heart to sell it for 80 pounds, which was the sacrifice price. But she sold it, which would be uh, three times that, would be about $120, $140, or $240 rather. She just threw that out, which was a sacrifice price. And they gave her a post-dated check, said it'd be all right. And they come up to the world conference, just led of the spirit. They sold their automobile and things, God leading them, said, come to Hammond. And they didn't know I was in Hammond, and the Lord leading them to Hammond. So then when they got there, his wife went in and she come out. And I never met Sister Jackson, but just a few moments. And I know she's a staunch Christian. So she come, told her husband, that's the way a family should live. The Lord has put on my heart to give a missionary brother who's in there fasting in there for a car, this 80 pounds, a pounds worth about $2 and 80 cents American money, said the Lord told me to give him this. And she consulted her husband, which was the right thing to do. And her husband said, God is in that it witnesses to my heart to give it. And he goes out and the missionary happened to be coming out after fasting for several days with a call in his heart. To, he had to do mission work and he didn't have the money to do it. He just needed the money. And when he walked out, said the Lord told me to give you this 80 pounds. And the man cracked and fainted on the street from the shock that God had provided his need. Listen, of course, they had to wipe a few tears from their eyes and go away. 
And a day or two after that, God gave him back his 80 pounds with 100 pounds interest on top of that. That's our Lord, just the way he does things. So this brother contacted me and said, you know, brother Tim, I want to, you know, give this $5,000 and we all made all the arrangements and everything. And God bless him for that. I know he's here this morning. I saw him. God bless him for that. But then he phoned me, I think the next morning. He said, brother Tim, you won't believe because, you know, he could have took that 5,000 pounds. It was end of the year. You know, he's thinking about, you know, what am I going to do with this money? You know, maybe, you know, he could have put it in a retirement savings plan and got a tax deduction. Right. Could have put it away for the future for his family. But somehow he felt pressed to do that, maybe at the sacrifice of his own retirement. But then he phoned me the next morning, said, Brother Tim, you won't believe what happened. I said, what happened? He says, I got a letter in the mail last night from my company saying they had just increased my pension by fifteen thousand dollars. Brother Ray, I like those kind of coincidences. God knows what he's doing. He spoke to this brother. To say, you need to give me that money. Not me, him. God said to him personally, you need to give me that money. I want to use it over here. God laid it on his heart to listen to that message at that time. To be burdened with the word. To send the word out. I'm not doing this to pull money this morning. But what I'm saying is when God speaks to you. Recognize that it's God speaking to you. It's just the real, just as real as God speaking to a minister, or God speaking to somebody else, or God speaking to a prophet. God speaking to you, saying, "This is what I want you to do," and you have a responsibility to God. Aren't you glad He knows you? I have a Maker. Amen. I have a Maker. Yes, Lord. Even time began, my life was in His hand. Oh, He knows my name. He knows. Thank you. 